who were saved through a Sunday school teacher in their Sunday school class, Kim, who was saved at home. Your parents led you to the Lord. Wonderful. Um, as mothers, my mother impacted my life. Um, I know that as a child, I, she helped me memorize scripture. One thing we did before we went to bed, we prayed, and, and I remember that. Psalm 23, my mom taught me that. Um, and I have teachers throughout um, college as well as Sunday school. I think of Dottie Bauman. She was impacted. She was my Sunday school teacher, and we, most of us know her, mom is wife. I think of Carol. <laughs> I, worked in, I worked in the nursery with her, and um, I grew to love kids through that. And um, so there's a lot of people that impact your life. I've seen this. Just to be thankful there's people, and even yourself. You know, I teach in a Christian school, and, and I have that privilege, and it is a privilege. But think of what you do and how you're impacting people's lives for the cause of Christ. And just because of what you're doing, someone could be saved through your life. And this is what this song is all about. Thank you. And pray for me as I sing the song. <laughs>
up in heaven, you're not supposed to cry. But I'm almost sure there were tears in your eyes as Jesus took your hand and you stood before the Lord. He said, My child, look around you, for great is your. Thank you. Lest I forget, this morning at the end of the service, I want each of the ladies to have a rose. And so somebody remind me to, <clears throat> actually, let me just assign the responsibilities. How's that? Uh, Jake, would you mind helping me at the end of the service? Okay, and Smitty? If you all will each grab a vase of roses and take them to the back and make sure every lady gets one. Okay? Thank you. Who would call me in the middle of a service? <laughs> Nobody I know. Okay. Wait that is not... That's the uh, church telephone, so somebody's calling the church, <laughs> and uh, we'll find out who after the service. You want to stick around? Um, the announcements are in your bulletin. Uh, we will have choir practice this evening at 5 o'clock. Let me encourage you to be here. And then uh, the prayer meeting at 5.30, and the evening service at 6. Okay. The Masters Clubs have two more weeks tonight and one more week after tonight uh, that they'll be meeting, and that starts at a quarter till six. The teens will be meeting next door, also at a quarter six. And so uh, there's probably other stuff in there too, so let me encourage you to read it. If you need me to read it to you, see me after the service. 
I'll be happy to. Take your Bible, if you will, turn with me to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. The first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis are foundational. Okay? By the way, I have to be very careful this morning, last Sunday morning at the end of the service. Benjamin, my grandson. Hi, Ben. Hi, Benny. Hi, Benny. Hi, Benny. You going to wave at me? Yeah, me. I'm talking to you. Oh, embarrassed him. At the end of the service, he came up to me and said, Grandpa, you said a bad word. Well, I certainly didn't mean to say a bad word. And I said, oh, what was it? He said, we don't say stupid. (laughs) See, I tried to explain that you don't call people stupid. It's the things that they do that are stupid. But that didn't really fly with me either, so I don't know if he bought it. (laughs) But there are people who do things that are not smart. Okay? Book of first eleven chapters of the book of Genesis are foundational. If we don't understand these, if we don't believe these, then why mess with the rest of the book? The word of God, the scripture tells us, is settled forever in heaven. That is very, very important. God's word does not change because God does not change. When you find a new translation and it changes something in the Word of God, then you got to ask yourself very carefully, why did somebody think they could change God's Word? Okay. For example, some of the new translations leave out passages, leave out verses. Some of them change words within the verse so that it doesn't say the same thing. I'll go ahead and tell you. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, where God said, A virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, shall call his name Emmanuel. That is not the same as a young maiden. Okay? Because a young maiden may not be a virgin. Genesis chapter 11, verse 1, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. It came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built it. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they they have all one language. And this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. These are the generations of Shem. 
Shem was a hundred years old and begat Arphaxad two years after the flood. And Shem lived after he begat Arphaxad five hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And Arphaxad lived five and thirty years and begat Salah. And Arphaxad lived after he begat Salah four hundred and three years and begat sons and daughters. And Salah lived thirty years and begat Eber. And Salah lived after he begat Eber four hundred and three years and begat sons and daughters. And Eber lived four and thirty years and begat Peleg. And Eber lived after he begat Peleg four hundred and thirty years and begat sons and daughters. And Peleg lived thirty years and begat Reu. And Peleg lived after he begat Reu two hundred nine years and begat sons and daughters. And Reu lived two and thirty years and begat Serug. And Reu lived after he begat Serug two hundred seven years and begat sons and daughters. Sarah lived 30 years and begat Nahor. And Nahor, excuse me, and Sahor lived after he begat Nahor 200 years and begat sons and daughters. Nahor lived 920 years and begat Terah. And Nahor lived after he begat Terah 119 years and begat sons and daughters. Terah lived 70 years and begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran begat Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Ishkah. But Sarai was barren. She had no child. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan, and they came unto Haran and dwelt there. And all the days of Terah were two hundred and five years, and Terah died in Haran. That's the chapter. So why did they list all of these names? Well, because all of these people are in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? In chapter 10, he lists uh, Noah's three sons, Sham, Ham, and Japheth, and listed all of their descendants, and because from them are all the various kingdoms and tribes of the earth descended. In chapter 11, he lists all of the sons of Shem. And in those in that list, we find Heber, from whom we get the word Hebrew. We get Abraham, who is the father of the Hebrews and the father of faith. You say, well, Abraham was the first Jew. No, he was not. He was a Chaldean. Well, then who was the first Jew? Israel. His grandson. But that particular discussion is really not worth having. What we want to go back and see is at the beginning of chapter 11. The whole earth was of one language and of one speech. He came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. Now this plain lies between the Euphrates River and the Tigris River. And they built their city on the Euphrates River. 
They said one to another, go to, let us make brick, burn them thoroughly. Well, if brick's going to hold up, yeah, it has to go in the kiln, has to get hot in order that it'll stay solid in the rain. And we have this slime. You say, what's that? Well, that's mud. Where did they get mud? Oh, do you not remember the flood? They did. It was everywhere. The mud was everywhere. And so they said, let's take brick and let's take this slime and let's build us a city and a tower whose top may reach into heaven and let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Now, in the English, we don't get the full impact of that particular passage. So let me break it down for you. Nimrod is the one who is building this city. It's not just the whole earth. I mean, it's not just the whole, I mean, all the people are there, yes. But uh, Nimrod uh, is the one who is building it. You say, Brother Casey, how do you know that? Because it says so in chapter 10. Verse 8. Cush begat Nimrod. He became a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore, it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. We discussed last week that the word, uh, that the idiom here, Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord, means that he was a slaver. He enslaved his cousins, made them work for him. He set himself up to be a mighty one in the earth. And the beginning of his kingdom, verse 10, was Babel and Erech and Akkad and Calne. Out of that land went forth Asher and built Nineveh and the city of Rehoboth and Calah. And so who is the builder of Babel? Nimrod. Why is he building this tower? Because he wants to talk to God face to face. As equals. Okay? Now give that serious thought just for a moment. Who is equal with God? Nobody. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. In fact, he says that his thoughts are as high above our thoughts as the stars are above the heavens. Well, the closest star to us is 93 million miles. We happen to call it our sun. The next closest one is four and a half light years away. That's 4.5 times 5.88 trillion miles. That's a little bit of distance. And we think, That we can be like God? Sure, that was the lie that the devil told Eve. It's the lie that the Mormons tell people now. It's their basic philosophy. You live a good life and you get baptized, right? And you wear the the right kind of secret underwear and you can go to heaven and become like God. God will give you your own planet and you can populate it yourself. and, And you can be a God. Because that's how God got started. Isn't it interesting that that lie came from Genesis chapter 3? And 
the devil hadn't come up with any new ones since then. People who reject God today and say that God uh, is non-existent or He doesn't have any impact in our lives, doesn't have any influence on our lives, uh, and uh, probably just created the world and backed off and let it happen through evolution, have set themselves up as gods. It's like the dogs judging their owners by the way dogs think. We know that's not true. And yet, people fall for it all the time. Most of the young people of our generation, those under the age of 40, do not believe that God's Word has any or very much impact on their lives. Little or no relativity. God's Word says, flee fornication. God's Word says, thou shalt not commit adultery. And yet most of the young people under the age of 40 think, well, that's how you express love. No, that's how you express selfishness. True love waits. Waits for what? Waits for marriage. That's what. Under the age of 40. Most people don't believe that Sunday is any different from any other day. Except, a lot of folks don't have to work on Sunday. So you can go to the baseball game, or you can go to the football game, or you can go to Walmart, or you can go shopping, or you can do whatever you want to. You can mow your grass. Because it's just another day. I've lived long enough to, know, to remember when St. Joe led. Wasn't no run back then. It was St. Joe. St. Joe led. Not only was still in operation, but had a contract that the union rejected and they all went on strike. And the reason for the strike was not that they didn't offer them a high enough raise in salary. The reason for the strike was they weren't going to pay time and a half For Sundays anymore. They had been doing so for a number of years. If you worked on Sunday, then you got overtime, time and a half. Because it was Sunday. And they offered this new contract that said, Sunday's like any other day. And the union representative said, no, it's not like any other day. And they said, then how come we have such a long list of people who are willing to work it? It's not the day, it's the money. Guess who won? St. Joe led. It was just another day. And so not only could you not refuse to work on Sunday, you didn't get double uh, time and a half or double time. But God's Word says, that sixth day shalt thou labor and do all thy work, and the seventh day is holy unto the Lord. You can't work six, seven days a week without killing yourself. You can't do it for very long. There's got to be one day when you recognize God's ownership of you and the rest of the globe. Got to be one day when you recognize who God is 
And most of the folks under the age of 40 don't know him, don't recognize him, and don't recognize the relativeness of the Word of God. So Nimrod goes to Bible here in the plain of Shinar, and, uh, man, they got all this good clay for brick, and they got slime for mortar, and he says, let's build us a tower that reaches up to God. And we, when we get up in the heavens, we will talk to God face to face. We'll meet him on our terms, not his terms. How'd that work out for him? Well, historians and linguistics experts and, what's the other word? Uh, Linguistics and phonomics? Nope. I forget. It's not phonetics. I already thought of that. Rejected it. Uh, anyhow, the study of languages, they, they say that the languages were divided into about a hundred different languages at the Tower of Babel, about a hundred different languages. So all the people at the Tower of Babel, uh, most, most of them couldn't understand everybody else. You could understand 1% of the people who were there, hundred languages, you could understand 1%. And so they began to leave. You ask somebody to hand you a brick, and they look at you like they don't know what you're talking about. If you've got to go get the brick yourself and go get the martyr yourself, what do you need them for? And your wife goes down to the market to buy bread or buy flour to make bread, and, and the guy selling the flour doesn't know what she's talking about. Acts like he can't even understand her. Wow. Very much like Adam and Eve after the, they got kicked out of the garden. They couldn't understand the animals anymore. Which I'm sure surprised the animals. You know, your dog comes to you and says, Arr, arr! And you're supposed to know what that means. But if you don't speak dog, you don't have a clue. When a cat comes up and says, Meow! I know what that means. It means kick me. You say, Brother Casey, why would you think that? Well, because I love cats. (laughs) They're prepared, right? But God said, let's go down there and confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth. And they left off to build the city. Therefore, the name of it is called Babel. If you're in Israel today and you mention the word Babel, everybody knows what you're talking about. The rest of the world, you don't call it Babel. We call it Babylon. Same city. Same location. Pretty interesting. Babylon. God confounded their language and scattered them from there across the face of the earth. Let me give you some history that's not found in the Word of God. When Nimrod's dad passed away, Nimrod married his dad's wife. Don't know if she was his mother or not, but he took her as his wife. Sham... His grandfather 
came to Nimrod and killed him for his wickedness, for his sin, for his sin and buying and selling his cousins as slaves, for his sin and trying to build a tower to talk to God face to face, for his sin in taking his father's wife as his own wife. Shem killed him. And his wife, who had held the position of his mother, though she may not have been his birth mother, his stepmom, began to organize a religion about Nimrod, saying that Nimrod had actually been a god, which means that she was the mother of God. Her title was the Queen of Heaven. And she set up a system of priests who would go out and hear people's confessions. Why would they do that? So that she would have power over them. If you know what people have done wrong, then you have control, influence, power. He said, what are you talking about? You know the saying. It's not who you know. It's what you know about them. It's not who you know. It's what you know about them. Wow. Her religion, the one she founded, declared Nimrod to be the sun god. The sun god. He said, because that sounds like Egyptian religion. Yeah, it does. The sun. And the godmother is Isis. And you get to Israel and the Canaanite countries, and it becomes Baal, or Baal, as we used to say, Baal and Ashtaroth. And you get to Greece. And it's whoever, I don't remember the names now. Venus, the Roman goddess. Okay? Goddess of fertility. And all of this stuff came about at Babylon. Wow. All of these tribes, all of these nations, all these people that scattered from Babylon carried with them two primary stories. They carried with them the story of creation and they carried with them the story of the flood. You find that in every culture in the world. Every culture in the world. The other thing that they carried with them, which is perhaps more significant, is each one of them carried with them the promise of a Redeemer. The promise of a Redeemer. That one day, God's going to send His Son. 
And He's going to be the sacrifice for sin. And He's going to save us from our sins. And as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and followers of Christ, we look back on the cross and we see that happening. Those tribes in New Guinea who never heard the gospel still had an understanding that there had to be somebody to pay the price. Very interesting book, Don Richardson, Eternity in Their Hearts. He selects several cultures that we don't often think of and, and discusses in each of those cultures the stories of the coming Redeemer. He had just prior to that written a book called The Peace Child. The Peace Child is a story about two warring tribes of, of headhunters in New Guinea who were at war with one another. And one day, while he is in this village, the, the warring village approaches them, but nobody... Everybody gets ready to fight, but nobody goes charging off into battle with their spears. And a young man from the village he was staying in walks out with his newborn baby and walks to a young man in the other village and hands him this newborn baby. And his wife is crying and and weeping and, and, and... inconsolable. The other village turns and walks off. And Don Richardson says, what just happened here? And one of the leaders in the village said, oh, we just gave them the peace child. He said, what? Explain that to me. He said, in our culture, whenever there's a conflict, whenever there's a war, when it's time to end the war, when neither tribe can, can bear to sustain any more loss, if one child will give a newborn baby or a young baby to the other child, as long as that child lives, there has to be peace between those two villages. And Don Richardson said, that's what God did. He said, what do you mean? He said, we were at war with God. We lived our own lives. We went our own way. We we sinned against God. Many people cursed Him. And one day, God gave His newborn Son to this world as a peace child. And that baby is alive even today. And He explained to them the sacrifice that Jesus made going to the cross and His resurrection and the fact that He is still alive today so that we have a peace child. Now tell me that doesn't send chills up your spine. God had prepared the message for every culture from the Tower of Babel. I confess, I am amazed at the goodness of God. In the midst of all this, God picked out a group of people. And from that group of people, there came a man named Abram. 
And Abram took his father's other wife's daughter as his wife. You see, so he married his sister? Yeah, basically. You see, how could he do that and not cause all kinds of genetic problems? Well, sin hadn't devastated our DNA yet like it has now. That's how. So when he went, took her down into Egypt and said, this is my sister, he wasn't lying. He just wasn't telling the whole truth. Which is kind of an important principle. If you don't tell the whole truth, you may think you're not lying, but you're lying. So there we are. All of this from the tribe of Nimrod. From the 11th chapter of Genesis, excuse me. Abraham, a descendant of Shem. David, a descendant of Abraham. Jesus, son of David, descendant of David, who paid the penalty for our sins so we could be saved. That's incredible. Let me encourage you to read the Word of God daily, carefully. You see, Brother Casey, where did you get all the information about Nimrod and his mother and wife and all that stuff? Well, it's available in a number of sources. The one that perhaps is the most comprehensive is a book entitled Two Babylons, about 150 years old. You may have difficulty finding a copy, but I think you can find a copy online at Harvard EDU's library or Penn EDU, Penn.edu, uh, their library. All of their libraries are online now, available online as uh, PDF files. And it's the title, the author, of the, the title again is Two Babylons. The author's name is Bishop Hislop, H-I-S-L-O-P, Bishop Hislop. Okay. It's deep. I'll go ahead and tell you. It is widely researched. Lots and lots of footnotes. But an incredible amount of information. Okay? Tell you that in case you decide to look it up. Research it. Very quickly. Listen to me for a moment. God so loved the world that in spite of all of man's efforts... To reject God, to rebel against God, to turn from God, to go their own way, do their own thing. He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We all think about Mother's Day gifts. Wow. The gift God gave kind of set the standard for all the other gifts in the world. He gave His Son so we could be saved and go to heaven. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, I pray this morning for each one in this auditorium. For the children in this children's church. Dear Lord, I ask You today to cause Your Holy Spirit to speak to hearts. Help us to recognize the, the importance of the Word of God. The impact that your word can have in our lives 
Father, you said that if we would read and meditate on and observe to do according to all that's written in your word, then we could have good success and we could be prosperous. Lord, why would we not want that as a gift from you? Lord, there may be one here this morning that's never been saved. As you deal with their hearts, I ask you to give them the courage to step out and come and let us show them from the Word of God how they can receive Christ as personal Savior. Lord, there may be somebody here today who just needs to come and repent of sin, draw close to you again. I thank you that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we're unwilling to do that, you've said you're going to chasten us. So, dear Lord, I pray that we would not subject ourselves to your judgment, but we would come running to you. Father, bless this invitation according to your will. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen.